all that, doesn't it? Let's give Bruno a hand, right? Appreciate him so much. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, you see Breno a lot on stage here, there, and that and around, but most people have no idea what he does during the week behind the, the scenes and everything that's happening. Uh, he's a pretty busy fella, trust me, um, and it changes from week to week, and I appreciate his heart and how he serves this church, and Breno's been serving this church since he was five years old. That's, that's a true statement. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about why I made that statement here in a little bit, uh, because um, it's part of who we are and those type of things. So uh, then why don't you turn me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy. No, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I, I just want to set the stage this morning. Um, hey, I didn't, I didn't get any nasty emails last week about tithing and that kind of thing. So that was, that was good. That was good. I mean, I said about tithing. It didn't mean I didn't get it. Hello, somebody. Um, <laughs> the cleaning crew that we hire to clean the church, uh, they, they were here on Friday. And uh, so, so they're, not, I mean, they're not part of the church. They're not staff of those, you know, church building is closed on Friday. Anyway, um, cleaning crew is here on Friday. They're cleaning. And uh, someone is trying to get in the building. And obviously those ladies are not part of our ministry. They're not part. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't know how to help people in those things. That's not what they're paid to do. They're just cleaning the church. And so someone sent me a big long email about how our church staff wouldn't open the church doors for them on Friday. And Hello, somebody. Amen. <laughs> I love the church. Uh, that might not be obvious to some of you. Not just because I'm the pastor. There's a lot of reasons why I love the local church. I, I, I've said it before, I'll continue to say it again. I think in any community, uh, a healthy local church is the greatest change agent in that community. Um, it's the greatest agent for stability. Um, and growth and uh, foundations. Um, and that's just a testimony of mine in my wife's life. Maybe you got more. Paul writes Timothy a letter as he is charged by Paul to lead a church that's a mess. Watch this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life uh, that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy, peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy and am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, it's, it's a great statement. Why did... You come to church. Why are you part of Firm Foundation Ministries? So Paul says, for this reason, I remind you. 
This is where we're at. We're in a renewal of our vision. We're, we're in this phase this year where we're, where, we're, where we're allowing God to remind us of who we are and why we are. Hello, somebody. I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God who saved and has called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Now, uh, today I've, I, I've come to share with you uh, some, some details. There are some things that we're still going to have to share with you. And, and the elders are working out some of those things about what, what is happening and, and how it looks and all those things. Uh, we work through renewing our vision for a reason. Because vision, it's that thing that's elusive. But it dares us to dream big about the future. It's that thing that seems to evade us, but it's still that thing that causes us to dream big about the future. Vision is hope's blueprint. And yet we all know that as we go through times in life and seasons in life, vision fades. There's not a married couple who don't stand on stage and and the first day of their marriage don't have dreams about the future. They have a vision about what they want life to look like. And and every married person understands that somewhere along the lines, down the way, sometimes that vision can fade. There's not a young person who dreams about a career that maybe goes to college, that gets into classes and the hard work of those things and wonders, why am I doing this? Come on, somebody. There's not a person who maybe went into, uh, you know, just the regular workforce and, and instead, and, and at first you enjoyed, you were thankful you had a job and, and, and then, you know, through that jo- time, you just go, why, why, why am I doing, hello, somebody. Can I tell you that there's not a ministry worker who ever didn't fall in love with the ministry and the church and answer the call of God to fully focus and surrender their life to that and, and, and not get somewhere along it and go, wait, why, why am I doing this? Paul sends Timothy to salvage a mess of a church. Ephesus. And... Timothy gets there and he finds himself in over his, You ever been in over your head? You ever been? You know, come on, y'all help me. This goes a lot faster. You, you ever just got to the place where you feel like I am, I am in over my hello somebody. I had just, what happened? No, I didn't sign up for this. Come on. He gets to Ephesus and the entire leadership team there is older than him. And yet he's the lead guy. Come on, somebody. And they didn't respect his leadership. Come on, somebody. And to make matters worse, Timothy's kind of a shy, timid guy. He's, 
He's not confrontational and he likes to avoid confrontation. And, 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 and the stress of the ministry, it affected his health and he found himself sick with stomach issues. I understand. Not to mention that in the meantime, Paul had gone and gotten himself arrested. Ministry struggling. Uh, now David Campbell's in prison. <laughs> hey, it's a legit thing, man. He come across the border yesterday and they searched him. <laughs> I mean, he looks incredibly threatening. <laughs> and they asked him, Are you bringing any eggs? <laughs> Listen, all they wanted to know if they could take him from him and take him home to their house. That's what they wanted. Hello, somebody. Unbelievable. Timothy's vision had dissipated. Somewhere between his health and his discouragement church, vision slipped away from him. And he needed to be renewed. And so Paul writes 2 Timothy from prison. To encourage him. You need your vision renewed. Stir up that thing that's inside of you. And I know it's there. Let me tell you why I know it's there. Because I laid my hands on you. I know what God has in your life. I know what God spoke to you. I know your history. I know where you came from. Boy, you are so full of God. You ain't got an idea. Come on, somebody. You got your grandmama's anointing. You got your mama's anointing. Hello, somebody. You got my anointing. He's just like, man, I know who you are. And I need Firm Foundation Ministries to understand God knows who we are. I'm not not preaching a series to the church down the road. This is us. This is our series. Let me tell you something. I'm just going to say this. And I'll get some emails and that's all right. The local church is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. It is a precious gift to us personally, to a community, to a lost and dying world. The local church is a gift from God. The local church, it's His. Listen, we are His anointed bride. Yes. And you know what the Bible says about his anointed? Don't touch it. You put yourself under the judgment of God. When you touch it. You see that woman right there? She's got our grandson in her arms. I was going to invite her to the stage. That's my wife. She's my bride. Is she perfect? In every way. In every way. In absolutely every way. I just, why do I hear Alabama in my head? Close enough to perfect for me. Anyway. Do you understand? That when you criticize her, you criticize me. When you don't love her, 
You don't love me because we come as a package deal. When you begin to ride on her, you begin to alienate you. And you can say, oh, but I, I, I love, I love wives. I want us to be careful. Especially getting on the bandwagon on social media about beating up local church. Because you just might be putting yourself under the judgment of God by touching what he said, do not touch. Is the local church perfect? You better believe it ain't because I'm standing in it. But we are his bride. And he loves us. And Ephesus was a mess. But Jesus loved it. Jesus loved it. The church that I was born again in, the church where we were discipled, the church where we received every, all the love and the glory, everything we understood about the kingdom when we first got saved, it wasn't a perfect church. It had a lot of issues. As a matter of fact, from the day we walked into that church, it never grew in, in eight years that we were there or so. It only, it only dissipated. We could never put our finger on why the church was falling apart. It didn't make any sense. My wife and my family received so much life from there. But still to this day, any time I'm close, I have to drive by the building even though it's empty and falling apart. The local church loved me when no one else did. But it was a mess. Hello, somebody. Renewing our vision is an incredible thing and it starts by learning to love what Jesus loves. It starts by saying, if I love Jesus, then I got to love what he loves. Hello, somebody. If I love Jesus, then I got to understand where he's at and what he's doing. And, and, and while it might not be perfect, it, Jesus loves it, so why can't I? Renewing our vision is an incredible thing. Let me talk to you for just a minute about worship. Learning to embrace a lifestyle of devotion to God. Let, let me just talk to you about that. We find the emphasis on worship, that word there in verse 3, but it actually translates, i got to be careful here because i got the guy in the house that reads and writes Greek and Hebrew. It actually translates serve, worship, serve. That's the way it translates, serve. Wait, I thought worship was about singing a song. If you underline that word in your Bible, it might be very good for you because it's, it's, it's not the usual New Testament Greek serve. It's used about 20 times in the entirety of the New Testament. It refers to a service offered to God as an act of worship. So in other words, when you serve in the children's ministry, you are worshiping God. Those ladies who clean here are paid. They don't, they don't even know. They don't even, they're paid to clean the church. They, and guess what they're doing? They don't even know. They're worshiping God. They're taking care of what he loves. Those guys who get here at 7 o'clock on Sunday mornings to start shoveling sidewalks and putting salt out. Hello, somebody. To get it ready for you to park because you know you can't park straight if you can't see the lines. Those guys who work late in tonight to plow in the back. Those guys that you don't know. The, the ministry. All these things. You know what they're doing? They're worshiping God. Yeah. Right. They're worshiping. 
They may never sing a song on stage. They never play an instrument on stage. They might not even feel like they can sing well enough to sing along in worship, but they're worshiping. And there's a lot of people who want to be involved in the head and what they think is the glory of the ministry, but all I ever see them do is sitting down while other people are worshiping. Pastor Rick told me, you want to preach, there better be the cleanest toilets in the church in the county. My job, I see, that's why I want to get back in that building. I want to see if those toilets are still clean. Somebody better have winterized them things, Bo. I wanted to preach. I wanted to serve. And Pastor Rick said, learn to worship. It's a service to God. It's those kind of things. This kind of service, never, it's never directed towards other people. It's always directed to God. When you're serving, you're, you're worshiping God as you serve. Corporate worship is what we call a word. It's, it's kind of this kind of thing together. Paul's entire life since coming to faith was an act of worship directed to God. Worship's about celebrating the presence of God among us in every way. And the eldership of this church, our vision, the, the founding members of this church. Two founding elders sit in this room this morning. Two founding elders, Doug and Mike. They're going to help me with communion at the end. God gave them a dream. And I remember when I had the honor of coming in, and they're like, will you serve? Will you lead us? And, and my wife and I sat down and I said, look, if you're, if you're looking for Don and Lisa to, to dream up a new scheme about how to make the church better, that's not what we're doing. Uh, God's already got a plan. God's already got a dream. How about let's just discover what God is doing and join him? Y'all tell me what God told y'all he was doing, and that's what we going to do. And it was so much fun to sit in a room and talk about the dream of God. I found it, just like today, exciting to talk about the dream of God. And the elders of this church, we dream of having a facility to house multitudes who gather each and every week to praise, honor, and celebrate, and serve God. That's our dream. And facilities are significant in, in the point that they, they facilitate a place to gather. And so this is why starting next Sunday, the overflow upstairs is going to happen because we're a growing church. And we want to make room. We can call it upper room worship. Hey, come on, enjoy. It's going to be an acoustic-style set, and then they're going to stream in the sermon from up there. There's going to be ministry teams up there. You're not going to miss out in anything. There's going to be you know, prophetic people, all those things, prayer, ministry that's going on. All of that's going to be happening. And listen, it's an experiment. It's an experiment. It's okay if it doesn't work. It doesn't mean God doesn't work. It just means we got to rethink and man, is that not a good problem? Each week we hope that as our regulars gather in church, that we decide to take turns to make room for visitors by saying, that's my spot this week. That's my spot. I'm up there this week. 
Can I say this to us? Brace yourself. Everybody grab your, grab your neighbor. This is why expanding our building with a new middle school youth facility is happening. Now I'm going to say this. Your... I'm a team guy. I want to put together a team, and I don't, I don't micromanage it. They, the elders say, this is your job. Go get it done. Come back to us. We, 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 we like to empower. Doug's word to us years ago, unless we empower people, it's not going to happen. We love to empower people. Go do your job and bring us back a report. Do you know that, that, that when Moses sent the spies into the land, he didn't micromanage them while they were there. Their job was to go, do their job, and come back. Moses empowered people to go see the goodness of God. And so I'm the same way in my leadership style. I want to empower people to see the goodness of God. And, and so uh, as, as, as things have worked over the year, listen, cost uh, and, and vision requires us to fine-tune ideas and thoughts. Because of the lack of information, I'm going to say this to your church. We didn't communicate a lot with you because we hadn't anything to communicate. It's so difficult to get in front of builders. We could have done better at that. We're going to do better at that. And we got some ideas that are coming. But we showed you a picture. But here's what I want to tell you. Don't get so caught up in a picture that you lose sight of the vision. I want you to say, don't get so caught up in a picture that you lose sight of the vision. Can I say it again? What is the vision? A place for our youth to be discipled, equipped, and released on a lost and dying world. That's the vision. You want to tell you what the vision is? Young people. Them. They're our vision. How we facilitate that, let's have lots of conversation about it. Let's do that. Let's have lots of conversation. And we asked you to fund it, and you responded overwhelmingly. Not to build a building. You responded to kids, to youth. And I've never seen the like of it in all my years. In all the years since 2005 that we've been taking up a, an Easter offering, people called me crazy. People call me crazy. Because our first one, it was like $18,000. I can't, I got the numbers. Well, maybe it was $11,000. And it has just grown and grown and grown. And I always told everybody in the room, all these years, from 2005 on, I always said, you know what? One year, that Easter offering, not in pledges, but right there on Easter Sunday morning, it's going to be $100,000. And everybody was like, you're so crazy. But we love you, Pastor Don. You're so crazy. Last year... Last year, $300,000 in an offering in one day. Now, let me preface that by saying in February, you gave $30,000 to the youth. Who's crazy? Y'all. And I love you for it. Because you're saying, yes, yes, legacy, future, vision. That's what it is. And I say to you, don't let a picture of some short-sighted idea cause us to lose vision for kids. Let's build the best for them. 
Do y'all know on Friday night how many times I drive by that gym over there? And I see teenagers hanging out in that parking lot, doing what they ought not do, behaving like they ought not behave, with no good influence. Come on, somebody. What, what if we have facilities that said, you know what? I got something better than that. Our building team has worked for a year, and they have brought to us a plan to accomplish the vision. Not a plan to build a building. A plan to accomplish the vision. And there's a huge difference. You're like, oh, wait, wait, Pastor Donald, are we not building a building? Everybody say, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Y'all didn't seem excited about that. Here's our growing pains, church. Here's our growing pains. There's a lot of kids around here. I mean, like, you know, the, the Bible, listen, the Bible says win the lost at any cost. And, and I love it when young people come in and get saved and born again. But y'all not even satisfied with that. Y'all got all this bedroom evangelism going on. All these little big Christians run around here. Birth them. I, I don't care how we birth them into the kingdom. All I care is that we birth them into the kingdom and we give them a facility where they can come and worship God. Did y'all see them little kids over there? They know every word to every song and you're not helping them sing. They're worshiping God while we stand in there like this. Y'all help me out, church. I am so excited to see the young. I just looked over and I saw the smiles and the joy on their face. This year, our Easter offering still going to be sowing in the vision. It's going to be sowing into vision. Just like Jacob funding the vision of God. Come on, come on, come on. Again, everybody's like, well, I don't, what is this? Come on. I'm trying to tell you, church, get ready. Everybody say, get ready. Yeah. Y'all know that scripture where the Bible says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard? That's, that's a good thing. What that says is you can't imagine the goodness of God. You thought your imagination was good. That's our challenge to our building team is to like, hey, don't let us fall short. Let's imagine. Bring us something good. Now, I'm talking about I need a stick to carry grapes the size of bowling balls. That's our promise. That's our promise. It is our promise through our faithfulness. So vision for our worship has included service. Every other year we take these kids on a mission trip. And out of that birth, young people have said, we're not waiting on y'all to go to the nations anymore. We going. Worship. Do you know right now, Sydney's worshiping in Guatemala. Do you know right now, Cammy's worshiping in Egypt where it's illegal All because you decided the vision, hello somebody, is, is, is our legacy. I'm starting to talk to young people right now. And I'm, you know, I'm starting to ask them, how old are you going to be in 10 years? Right? Because I'm going to be old. We got a phone call this morning. I, met, I saw a guy. Hey, we got, in June, there's an act for a service, a bike a bike club is coming through town, like bicycle riders, and, and there's like going to be a couple hundred of them, and they're going to stay over at the campgrounds overnight, but they're riding through. And they wondered if someone could facilitate breakfast and lunch for them on a day, and they said, hey, will your church do that? So I was like, all right, we'll talk about it. We got plenty of people who might want to serve on a Saturday and just, you know, do this kind of thing and, and whatever. We got some bike riders in the house, and, and it would be cool. 
So he get a phone call. Holly, she said, hey, listen to this message. And this guy said, hey, I came in a couple weeks ago and I, I talked to that really young pastor. I was like, I like this guy. <laughs> he didn't talk to Breno. I remember talking to him, but... Why, why you got rain on my parade rod? Why you got trying to feel good about myself? And here, you're worse than Lisa. What's happening? Can I talk about this? Renewing our vision for worship is incredible. And here's the deal. Y'all keep bringing all these people. People keep getting saved and healed and delivered. People keep getting discipled and, and, and equipped. And people keep getting involved in those type of things. You see it right now where we're at. We, we don't know where the future looks like as far as facilitating and holding everybody for worship service. And we may have to go back to two services, but that will require more people volunteering for children. Which is our vision. See, I got you. You didn't even know I set you up. When, you, when you're growing pains with too many kids, come on, that's the favor of the Lord. He said that. Blessed is a man whose quiver is full. How about this? Blessed is a church whose quiver is full. Blessed is a church whose quiver. You know, there's all kind of them. I'm going to turn them loose on y'all. Y'all don't help serve in children's church. We just keep them in here. <laughs> Sign-up sheets are in the back. I'm sorry. How about renewing our, our, our vision for prayer? Expressing our heart to God is incredible, right? We just came through 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, 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 and some of you started a little late and you're still there. You're still moving through. And Paul says that he prayed daily for Timothy. I'm going to move through this. But like, I, I, I just want you to hear this. He tears and longing for his spiritual son reunited as he prays for Timothy. He's reminded how Timothy came to faith in Christ. And it all started by his grandmother, Lois. And, and it flowed into her daughter, Eunice. And it flowed into him, third generation Christian. Someone was raised in an environment where faith was not only conducive, but it was a generational inheritance. That's called legacy. When this original eldership team is dead and gone, will this ministry still be going? That's our plan. That's our, if Jesus tarries, that's our plan. What Paul does simply here is he's pouring out his heart to God. And, 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 and we see a lot of gimmicks about prayer. We see all those things. But Paul's renewing his vision for prayer. And he simply came to the idea of pouring out his heart to God. That's why a lot of times in prayer meetings, when I pray out loud, it just freaks people out. People are not ready. Just this past week, we were praying on Tuesday morning. And I was so frustrated with not... Hearing from builders in the time frame that they said, I was like, God, can you just jerk a knot in somebody? People are not ready for that kind of prayer. <laughs> they just not. Something's got to move. You know, when there's a mountain in your way, you can get out a sand shovel or you can break out the backhoe. Something's got to move. 
I don't want no gimmicks. There's no seven steps for simply expressing our heart to God. Just sum it up in prayer and pursuing God's heart. This is what we're doing, God. I'm just pursuing your heart, God. This is it. See, God wants our church to be a place where our passion for God and His purpose inspire us to believe Him for the impossible. See, as a church, we have to continually attach ourselves to things that are bigger than us, so we have to believe God to do it. Anything that's within our own strength and power, we don't have to believe God to do that. There ain't no faith in that. See, God's called us to faith, and in 27 years of existence, we've never been a play-it-safe kind of church. We just haven't. And that's cost us a little bit. That's all right. People come into our worship service and they see worship going on and music going on. And then they see people moving around and praying and ministering to each other. And they're like, what, what is all that? That's family loving each other. That's what family does. Pray for you, love you, right? I minister to you, all those things. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, it says, By His mighty power at work within us, God is able to accomplish infinitely more than would ever dare ask or hope for. It's right there. It's in the scripture. And I believe that with all my heart, that that type of thinking has been a part of our fellowship's vision from the very beginning. But it's a part of pursuing God. And I believe that God wants this church to be filled, constantly expanding multitudes of growing Christians who are learning how to walk daily with intimacy and power with God. And that's where prayer goes. Listen, prayer doesn't prepare us for the battle. Prayer is the battle. You remember what Jesus said to his disciples? Can you not pray for one hour? Come on, those of you who are coming to prayer... You know, man, that's like the longest hour of the week. It's just five to six. Or on Tuesday mornings, it's seven to eight. And we just pray. It's like an hour. Hello, somebody. You just pray for an hour. My invitation to you each week is to pray with us. Hello, somebody. Take it wherever you're at. If you can't make it to the building 7 to 8 on Tuesdays, pray with us. Take that hour. Turn the radio off. Take that time. Whatever you have. And say, Lord, we're just praying. And whatever God brings to your heart. Like, be passionate about it. Pour it out to the Lord. Prayer doesn't prepare us for the battle. Prayer is the battle. And why is that important? Because, see, there's so much that God has called us to that we need to pray about. Just the Bible college alone. It's an incredible thing. I need some of you to pray about what your part is. Is that something I commit myself to? Bible training. And I guarantee you, you talk to any person who's been involved in it so far, and they will tell you how unbelievable God is expressing himself through what they're learning. And such a Powerful way, simply powerful way. Things about the scripture, things about the heart of God, things about what God is doing on the earth today, things about how the church, the local church that people like to beat up on is the power of God. We're going to have our first graduation here May 21st. And you know what people tell me? Oh, Pastor Johnny, maybe you want to do it on a Saturday night. No, 
I want to do it on a Sunday morning. I want to have a worship service. And I want the church to see what vision looks like when we stay faithful to it. I want you to see what it means to stay faithful and accomplish it. Some of y'all don't just hear me spout, and you just say, well, that's just Don being Don. But you need to see it come to pass. Equipping people, getting ready to plant and send and, and serve. Hello, somebody. That's all the things we're doing. David McFarland, one of the greatest evangelists ever to be a part of Billy Graham's ministry, is going to be here. Brick Cliff, who's planted Bible colleges all over the earth, is going to be here. And the house is going to be full. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And it should be, because it's a celebration of vision. Pray, pray, God, this is what's happening. Because we, we've got to renew our vision for the whole aspect of, of, of things that God is doing inside us by using our gifts. Verses 6 through 7 there, he said, stir it up. God had given Timothy all the equipment he needed to be effective as God's servant. And I need to tell, I just asked Diamond. Okay, Diamond right there and his wife. Breno and Kay just put out a new song. Hello, somebody. Just a little shout out right there. I said, hey, man, you're a music producer. That's what you do. You tell me what this church lacks to be able to produce its own worship albums. And he's like, nothing really. Listen, if FFM had a worship album on, on iTunes, would you put it on Play? Because, see, what I hear in the house on Sunday mornings is incredible. It's incredible. That's a gift. It's stirred up among us. Right? It, I'm like, okay, what do we lack? Nothing. I'm like, anybody, tell me what we lack. We want to disciple these young people to raise them up to be godly people, to walk in the power and the anointing of God. You tell me what we lack. Right? We want to go and win this community. You tell me what we lack. We want to go and plant uh, churches. You tell me what we lack. You, come on. You, we want to build, plant more Bible colleges. You tell me what we lack, church. We lack nothing. We lack nothing. God has equipped us. God has given us everything we need. But the fire of God's gift sometimes goes out. It's like a fire in a fireplace when there wood been added to it. And so Paul says, hey, man, hey, 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 I need you to stir something up in there. Fan that flame, fan that flame, fan that flame. Why? Because it loses heat over time. That's the natural process of everything. you got to fan it. you got to keep it fueled, right? And we fuel the fire of God in our life and in our church by using our gifts. Come on, somebody. Man, what do we lack, Lord? Nothing. It's fear that holds us back from using our gifts. It's fear. Come on, it's fear. It's fear of the world around us. As if the church has it's ever... Listen, I don't understand. See, the church should be the countercultural thing in every community. That's God's promise. He said, you've never seen the seed of Abraham begging for bread. That's counterculture. Show it to me. God's always take care of us. They walked 40 years in the wilderness. Their shoes and socks never wore out. That's countercultural. Come on, church. 
God sends a death angel and the world's firstborn died. But the blood of Christ covered his people and they lived. That's countercultural. That's us, church. That's who we are. God has called us to that. And if we stay faithful and if we stay unified, that's what Genesis says. The testimony of unified people is because they are unified and they believe there's nothing they cannot do. Those are words that came out of God's mouth himself. But see, it's dissension, it's disunity that's sowed like a, like a little mouse that comes in and eats a, a piece off the, 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 the loaf of the bread. You want to throw the whole thing away. Man, fear holds us back. Timidity, it's, it's, it translates lack of moral strength is what timidity translates to. And Paul tells Timothy, fear doesn't come from God. There's a fine line between faith and foolishness. But see, when God has given you a word, when God has given you a vision, there's also a fine line between stewardship and disobedience. What does come from God? He says, an attitude of power, love, and self-discipline powers the capacity to face our fears and use our gifts when we're shaken like a leaf. Love is the capacity to express God's love through the gift that we have that we haven't been using. Self-discipline is the courage to go forward even when we're afraid. Do you need your vision renewed? Stepping out of the comfort zone, using your gifts is going to help you renew your vision. It's going to help this church. And there's no need to substitute. There's no need, church. There's no need to substitute using our gifts. We don't have to. Because we draw on the Spirit of God. Love and self-discipline. God's given us all those things to face what's in front of us. I don't know what the economy looks like tomorrow. I don't, I don't know if the trailer factories are going to stay open. But you know what? God's people can reinvent themselves. Listen, if you were dependent on that anyway, come on, don't place yourself into a slave mentality. Reinvent yourself. Come on, somebody. There are dreams. God has given people visions in here. And you don't think God has given us dreams and visions in order to facilitate finances to come into your life to take care of you and to fund his kingdom? Yes, he has. It just may think, think thinking out of the box. It may think, okay, this time for me to make a shift. I don't know, church. I don't know. Uh, you know what? Who knows? The trailer factories may open wide back open and, and start going uh, headlong again. You see, our faith doesn't have to work on the world's economy. God has promised us it's going to fail. Did you read the book? Did you read the book? What did we think the end times were going to look like? Are you with me? We got a creek in the backyard and a water filter. Come on, somebody. I'm like, church, I want you to grab a hold of this thing. At FFM, we see every minister, uh, 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 member a minister. And this is why you see people praying and ministering to each other on Sunday mornings. 
This is why you see that. And we have one leader from a major, major denominational setting come and visit with us on a Sunday morning. And he was violated by that. He's like, did you teach those people to do that? He's like, no. And this is what he said to our, our leadership team. He said, that, that is just a disruption for worship. And I was like, no, we didn't tell them to do that. God spoke to their heart and they responded. We just facilitated what God was doing in his presence with his people. The same time that leader would show us people during a worship service line dancing. That was anointed by God, but people at the altar during worship wasn't. You see, I'm just thinking a little different. Pray for one another. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says when you come, bring a word, bring a song, bring an encouragement, be a light to someone. Do you understand that? Listen, we all come with burdens and struggles, but God has also called us to come with power and strength, right? And every member is a minister. And there might be a Sunday where you don't have the energy because of your weight, but somebody else does, and you can receive ministry. But the next Sunday, maybe you're the one who's able to give the ministry. See, ministry is not exclusive property of the pastor or the elders. Everything should be in order. I said everything should be in order. The Bible gives us order, does it not? And I'm a Pentecostal boy. But there's order to the things of the Spirit. Hello, somebody. I know I just freaked some of our visitors out. Wait, what kind of church is this? Listen, I'm not bringing out any snakes, okay? It's not, it's not what we did. Adult children, men and women, new Christians, mature Christians, every single one a minister of God. You see these young people ministering to each other? Did you tell them to do that? You didn't. You know why they do that? Because they saw you doing it. That's the way we train. FFM is a church where members see themselves as God ministers, sacrificially investing their gifts, their talents, their resources to make God's vision become a reality in the place that we call our own. This is us. This is ours. Own it. It's okay. Or this is my church. Oh, brother. God's church. It's my church. Hello, somebody. I ain't washing your car. It's your car. I'm going to wash my own. It's my car. Still God's car. Because you gave it to me. Come on, somebody. I'm going to take care of what's mine. Take some ownership of the fellowship God has called you to. Renewing our vision for outreach is important. Why? Because God has called us to testify. Verse 8 says, it says that it's important to testify. Christians are often tempted to be ashamed of Jesus. We're tempted to hide our witness about Jesus. Keep our faith hidden inside the four walls of the church. Rather than let it flow out in our lives and actions. Do you need your life renewed? And your, and, your, and your sharing of who you are. Not Doug Alton. Not Doug Alton. Listen, you talk to Doug Alton, he's going to tell you about Jesus. I was at Doug Alton in the hospital the other night. He was over there, you know, try, trying, to, trying to... Anyway, they were like, are you having a heart attack? And, and Doug was laying there. I'm like, are you having a heart attack? And he's like, nah, I'm not having a heart attack. God just sent me in here to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm looking around. It was just me and him in the room. And I'm like... Maybe. 
So I said, all right, I'm going to pray for you, Doug. And you know what Doug said to me? You know what? I'm okay. Pray for me that God will give me an opportunity to witness to Christ. In the hospital bed. That's what we prayed for. Because that's what we do. This means putting our words in action through relationship. And the eldership of this church, dream of our church, being attended by people, hundreds and hundreds of unchurched people. Each week. So they can experience relationship properly. Did you know that half of all people who are, who are uh, in a church on any given weekend in our nation don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I find that extremely exciting. Not discouraging. Half of all people who attend church in the United States of America on a Sunday morning aren't saved? Listen, God's bringing them to us. So we need to be reminded that our relationships are primary, the, the mechanism, the vehicle that God uses to help us share Jesus because you're bringing them. Bring your family. Bring your unsaved neighbors. Bring, uh, bring them. Bring them. Hey, just come to church with me. And watch what God is doing. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting day, and I guarantee you it's different than you ever think it's going to be. F of M is a church that strives uh, to, to remove every barrier that keeps unchurched people from understanding and responding to the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a huge culture gap between most Christians and non-Christians. We live in different worlds, yet we live in the same neighborhoods. <laughs> On a summer evening, in my backyard, sometimes over my neighborhood... <laughs> We might be outside enjoying the river. And all of a sudden in the air is an aroma. And I'm like, hmm. God, did you put me here? Who I need to love for you? Come on, somebody. We had the young adults group over. During the summer, like 30 plus of them people in my little old bitty house. Hello, somebody. Little old bitty house. They were out on the balcony. They were on the floor. And it was a, it was a weekday. And, uh, you know, initially we were worried about all the noise that would happen in the backyard. And then I got to thinking, those people don't care about what I smell in my backyard. Why do I care about the joy of the Lord in my backyard with young people celebrating God? We had ourselves a time. It's our job to bridge a gap. We have a partnership with each member to love the unchurched and our neighbors, providing services that bring people together culturally. It really is a partnership, and it's, it only works if both partners are working together. Hello, somebody. And I believe we need our vision renewed for your neighbors. Yeah. The fear that many of us walk in 
You know what it does? It just allows us to become busy and distracted so that we don't live in that partnership. And so you know what? God continues to push on us, not only locally, but even globally. We have gotten a call as a ministry to say that for years there has been some plowing in an area in the, in the, in, in the world but they need someone to come along and plant seeds and care for it. And so, Brickcliffe, who's going to be here, the president of Nation to Nation, which is where we work our Bible college through, he, he has said, Pastor Don, your Bible college is, is doing so fantastic and people are responding so well. We would like to give you the nation of Kenya. We'd like to take everything that we have done and give it to you and let you guys continue to facilitate and grow it beyond where it is right now. And, he, and so I said, well, I'd like to go and see. And he said, well, in April, I'm going to Kenya, Tanzania, and Ethiopia. Uh, Randy Chup is sitting in the back back there. He's born in Ethiopia. Is that correct? Uh, so Mr. Chup is back there and, and uh, his family were missionaries there and he was born there and there is see you can think that that's a coinky dink but Pastor Don doesn't believe God I think God sows seed to say I've got a dream and how would a, a little bitty preacher from nowhere in Florida be connected with somewhere that Randy Chup was born at they, they built schools and uh, they did all these things in Randy's parents and his life before they came back to the States. And now we have an opportunity to go there and not only plant Bible colleges, but to train pastors and plant churches. This church. This church. Not this church. And so in April, the elders have approved for me to go on a two-week trip to spy out the land. Y'all better believe I'm taking a big stick. I believe there's some bowling ball sized grapes for us. And I'm excited about it. And I promised God himself that I would never go back to Africa. I shared that with you. I've been two weeks, three weeks in Lagos, Nigeria. I would never go back there. God would have to speak audibly. And then God called me on the phone one day. Be careful making deals with God. This is us, church. This is us. There's always tension, can I say that, between our vision and the way things are. Can I say that again? There's always tension between our vision and the way things are. Because if vision only described the status quo, it wouldn't be vision. It's supposed to create tension. It's like stretching a rubber band. Hello, somebody. So often we're, we're, we're tempted to let the tension pull the vision down to status quo to soften the vision and make it more palatable to the way we want things to be. But instead, we should let the tension pull the way things God wants closer to vision, creating necessary change in the lives needed to pull towards who God is and what he's called us to do. I believe this year, 2023, God wants to pull us closer to our vision than we've ever been before. God wants this congregation to be renewed in its vision for worship and prayer and service and outreach and nurture. 
You know why I'm not offended by that email that I got this week? Because somebody needed something on Friday. And they saw the local church as the place to go and get that need met. I could have responded very harshly to that email. And initially I wanted to. Because it's easy to make judgments when you don't know what's going on. Careful, careful. But then the Spirit spoke to me and said, wait a minute. That person needed something. And they wound up at the place that I love. You know what I said? Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, for not even seeing you answer my prayer. Vision isn't renewed by just hearing a sermon series. I'm going to invite the ushers to come. Vision is renewed when worship is actually true worship. When our love for Jesus motivates us to action, and that action is more than just singing a song and dancing in the Spirit. Hello, somebody. Vision is renewed when prayer is realized. Come on up, usher team. They're going to come and they're going to take the elements. And they're going to pass them out as I close here. Will you stand with me? Our vision for service is renewed. When our gifts are Accepted and submitted to training. Listen, here's the deal. Pastor Rick knew I had a gift for preaching. But do you understand, for two years of my life, he didn't let me preach. Because he said, you will submit that gift to training. Come on, someone. And it was difficult because I had ideas and thoughts that he would say no to. But I have learned now that it was the best thing. Do you know that the first time, listen to me, do you know that the first time that the leaders of the church brought my name up for eldership in Florida, that my best friend who was an elder is the one guy in the room who said, I vote no, he's not ready. He's talking about getting your feelings hurt. Give him another year. Come on, church. It's the best thing a friend ever did for me. Submit your gift to training and teaching. Come on. Submit your gift to training and teaching. Our vision for outreach is renewed by actually testifying about Jesus. Listen, you don't have to be in a hospital bed to testify about Jesus, but sometimes God will put you there if he's got somebody he wants you to share the gospel with. You don't have to go to Kenya to testify to Jesus because most of you won't go across the street. But here's the thing. Smile. Not only has God called us across the street, but he's called us to Kenya too. Let's do it right now. In this house, we asked you Last year, 
to fund Harrison's ceilings on a new type of min, uh, missionary. Not a missionary who went to Guatemala or a missionary who went to Egypt or the Dominican or Kenya. But a missionary who would work directly in uh, college athletics. And you funded him. Hello, he's fully funded. Do you understand this church helped fully fund Harrison every month? You Come on, let's give God praise to that. And you think, man, that's different because he's in Chicago. He's traveling around and he, he's, he's with, you know, college athletes and golf and all these other things and he's ministering. He's been ministering this weekend and in a ministry atmosphere that they set up for college students this weekend. He sent me some pictures because he was preaching. Harrison, come on, Ryan Yesh. Ryan Yesh. Harrison was preaching. I mean, if Harrison can. No. Listen, he, uh, did you just mute, mute me? Here's our report right now. We just got it. We just got the report. He's been preaching this weekend. 30 college athletes just gave their heart and life to the Lord. Come on. Come on. That's your seed. That's your seed. Because you believed in a crazy idea of a new kind of missionary. You see what I'm saying, church? We can do anything we want to do. We can build a building. Come on, we can have worship, we can win the lost, we can equip and disciple, we can release people. David, we can do it. We can do it. Watch what God is doing when we just get crazy. There's no substitute for action. Can I say that? Sweetheart, hand me that mic. Doug and Mike, come up here. You see this communion cup? What better time? Then to take communion at the beginning of this year, finishing a vision series. Now, I'm going to say this. When it comes to that building over there and the details and all, we're going to share. We, we want to talk about how we just want to share it and do all those things. We've got a lot of ideas. I want you to understand there's some very faithful people who spend a lot of hours. Man, you're, I, you are not going to be disappointed. Um, but, man, I sat in the Doyle Center yesterday watching volleyball all day long and I ain't gonna lie I was like Lord why did I have to travel to the Doyle Center why can't all those people travel to a gym in Centerville Michigan but see I'm crazy let me tell you why it's so powerful to have a vision for kids I want to tell you something Yesterday, I watched one of my little granddaughters. You, she leads you in worship sometime. She's 12 years old, 13 years old. Sorry, she just turned 13. She's like four foot nothing. She's playing volleyball against girls who are six foot tall, spiking the ball in their face. I was like, that's my girl. <laughs> she ain't scared. She ain't scared. She, her number is two. So I call her Deuce. She's getting ready to serve. And I shouted out over the gym, talk to me, Deuce. <laughs> Top Gun, talk to me, Goose. She turned around and smiled at me and proceeded to serve an ace. I was like, that's my girl. It was so much fun. Let me tell you what. Before every game, she's playing for a traveling volleyball team. 
So this is a secular team, Joe Valley. When her team took the court, she huddled them up and she led them in prayer before every match. And I was like, that's, that's, why, we're, that's why we're facilitating vision. Not because she's my granddaughter. She saw you praying for each other. And the little girl, she saw you doing it. She saw you leading. And she had the boldness to do that before every game. And those girls, guess what they did? I don't know if they were all Christians or not. They huddled up and prayed. And they proceeded to whoop a couple of good teams. And I was like, that's it. Talk to me, deuce. This is our vision that our 12, 13, 14-year-olds, that our 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, our, our young adults, the YAG group, they're doing far and above what we ever could do because we decided to facilitate the gift that God put inside of them with the gift that God put inside of us. Church, I promise you it's beyond our imagination and expectation, but it requires our faithfulness. And what better day to take communion than on a day like today. Are you with me? Now in this house, come on in kids. You can find your spot. You come right on in. As the kids come in and get settled. Here's what we say. If you're visitor, if this is your first time taking communion with us, no one is required to take communion. We've been telling you for a few weeks that communion was this day to allow you to get your life ready if you wanted to pray into that and those type of things. And so if you're not ready and prepared to take communion this morning, no one's going to judge you. As a matter of fact, most will celebrate with you that you are serious about your life before the Lord. And if you need prayer over those things, let's do it. Just last year, I did the same thing. I instituted communion but didn't take it because a brother and I had an issue between one another and I said man we need to get this solved because I can't take communion until you and I are better and we did that for God's glory and it was so good but if you are ready we want to invite you as a believer parents you're allowed to judge when your children are old enough to take communion so we want to give you the freedom in this place I'll never forget the first time as a Christian taking communion with Pastor Rick. And what a beautiful thing it was. And so this morning, I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians. Paul says, whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body, the blood of the Lord. And let a person examine himself, and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But, everybody say but. If we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And so I would like to take a moment and pray for us. Father, in this house, our lives are laid bare before you. And Lord, we say to you in this place that we want to say we are thankful for your forgiveness. We want to thank you, God, for your body that was broken and your blood that was spilled to make us righteous in your sight. 
We also want to say, God, we thank you that you continue to call us deeper and deeper into you. And so, Lord, with our lives laid before you right now, Father, if there's anything in our lives that are not of you, we repent and ask your forgiveness for it. Known and unknown, God. We love to stand in your presence without guilt or shame, but with confidence and joy, with peace, God, because you're a God who loves us. And so in this place today, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you that you draw near to us because you love us. Hallelujah. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask that you hold the element up that represents the body of Christ. I'm going to ask Doug, who is a founding elder here at Firm Foundation Ministries, the end of a vision sermon series, to lead us in prayer over this element. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for breaking your body for us. to deposit your spirit inside of us that we might take our bodies and take you wherever we go to be your hands and feet in a dark and dying world. And we ask God that you would empower us with your authority and your name to chase out demons, to heal the sick. And we just thank you, God, for this example Lord Jesus, of your body that was broken, to release all that to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so I'll ask that you hold up the cup that represents the blood of Christ. As Mike, who's a founding elder of our church, the end of a powerful series for vision, he prays for us. Lord, Father, this morning we just thank you for your, your goodness and faithfulness to us. Lord, we thank you for this reminder of what Jesus done for us. He said that greater love has no man than he laid down a life for his friends, Lord, and you laid down your life for us because we are your friends. And so, Father, we want to do that for each other. We want to lay down our lives for each other. And this is a reminder of what you've done and for us to follow example. And we thank you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's partake. Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I've been in a lot of circles where communion can be a very solemn and sad event because you're reminded of the death of Christ. But Paul says that we, each time we do it, we should allow it to encourage us to proclaim the good news that Jesus came and he died. And he's coming again. 
until he comes. He's coming again. And so I want this to let this renew your presence, renew who you are, not only with the Lord, but with each other. Hey, everybody say this with me. This is us. This is us. And, and I want you to own the vision of Firm Foundation Ministries. It can't be Pastor Don's crazy dream because it wasn't. It was God's crazy dream. This is us. We got a lot of work to do this year. And there are some incredible things happening. Amen. There's so much to look forward to. But I'd like to end this morning real quick with just a little portion of a worship song as we sing together. Hallelujah. Thank you.